Good morning. It's Celeste again from Me After Work with our next podcast of You Don't Know What You Don't Know. And today we're joined by Lisa Gumanik. Uh, Lisa's a coach, energy healer, EFT practitioner, nutritionist. Um, EFT is a tapper, so we'll, we'll get into that. But welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to um, talk yeah. and share. And you've got a lot to share, so we're going to get straight into it. I think the first, before we talk about what you do and uh, with the coaching, because that's that's something that you've started doing in the last, is it 12 months or 18 months? It's really interesting to understand what led you to becoming a coach, because every coach has a story, and yours is quite special, and it's gone on for a it went on for quite a long time and I think it's it could be very interesting for some people and that's your chronic the the experience that you have with having a chronic illness yeah absolutely so I've had a chronic illness now for six years and I don't want it to define me but for a number of years it did so six years ago I was in corporateville working in corporate job, I was in IT and project management and I really loved what I did. I enjoyed the organization I was working for and the team. But for many years, there's always something inside me that was missing. I'd go through every few years, there would be a period of a few weeks where I kind of go through this like depression or, or something wasn't right. I remember saying to myself, something's not right. Something's not right. Something's missing. And this whole journey has really shown me what was actually missing. And what was the feeling like? Or what was the? Was it emotional? Was it physical? Through those um, mental, like in was, these moments that you had that. It was a, It was emotional, and my mind would say, and I could I could feel it as well. And my mind was saying, "There's something. Something's not right. There has to be more to to life than this. Really, there has to be more to life than this." And so it, was it burnout? Was it like a because you were going so hard at work and then you were like exhausted and then you go so hard and exhausted or it wasn't that? I don't know. I haven't really spent a lot of time reflecting on it. Um, but I know that for many years this thought process was coming up and then six years ago I got sick and I got very sick. So I had an amazing year at work. I was performing really well. I won some awards at work. Um, I married my partner of eight years so I was on this real high and then that same year I had this real crush and then it continued and continued and continued. And so I was, in hindsight, I was pushing myself too hard at work, in my personal life. I was exercising far too much, just pushing myself. Type A personality, uh, driven at work in performance and then pushing myself. My nutrition was terrible. Um, I was completely carbohydrate loading and I wasn't physically fueling myself in terms of the the nutrition and food that I was eating, but I also wasn't fueling myself with the right mindset nutrition, the right emotional nutrition, the spiritual nutrition. I didn't know what any of that was. And I came down with glandular fever six years ago. And then a few months later, I still wasn't getting better and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And then I, I think two and a half years in, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and then I've had shingles and this whole chronic illness has gone on and on and on. And I, with work, I 
went from performing to not being able to perform. I couldn't read a two-line email at one stage. And then I couldn't walk up, you know, two or three steps without having to take a step. Because uh, oh, your body was breath. physically... My body was shutting down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had So a... what was the diagnosis that the... Like, what did you... Was it all three or four or was So it... it started off with glandular fever was the first thing. And then when I didn't recover from glandular fever, three, six months later, I said, something's not right. And went for more sort of tests. And then I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it was kind of like, well, this is this is kind of it and I thought well hang on a minute there's something not right here I've gone from how did they diagnose you with an autoimmune disease a number of blood tests oh okay yeah yeah and I guess also the symptom pattern as as well I remember on one particular day I jotted down all my symptoms and I had over 40 symptoms um you know and there was I guess also the unknown there was stress there was anxiety because you know, there was fatigue and when you're trying to perform as you would normally and you're not able to, it's really challenging. Oh, of course. So, Especially if you're a type A personality, <laughs> you would have, that would have been the hardest thing. Like, it, and you don't have the answer for it. So, and then you, then you're diagnosed with Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And so it was glandular fever um, autoimmune disease and then one year in I had to stop working because I had I literally had nothing left in the tank and I had at one stage an attention span of about 10 seconds and then I would forget so I would often be on my way to work and I would be driving and go oh I'm thinking about this for my day and I would forget that I was driving and nearly run up the back of somebody so I was losing I was I lost a lot of basic functionality my memory loss was quite severe. My anxiety was through the roof. How did, how did you turn it around? Yeah. And it's, it's really great to be in a position to be able to talk about it. I think people, I think this message needs to get out there that people can turn things around. It may not happen over my, overnight. And my journey, for example, has been a six-year journey and it's been very challenging. And for five of those years, unable to work, but the gift is that it can happen. And there's a number of different tools and techniques that people can use. So how do you feel today? I feel good. I, I, I'm positive. My health is still not where I would like it to be. I'm, a little bit, I'm having a little bit of a foggy day today. And I think it's also important to be... What's the word... How much more self-aware are you now, given that you've had that experience of your body, of your feelings, of, you know? Yeah. So self-awareness is key. I didn't have any self-awareness or any self-understanding. I didn't have any boundaries, you know, with work and with my personal life. And I actually didn't know who I was. You know, I went from one job to the next, which I enjoyed, but I didn't plan things and it wasn't, I wasn't creating the life that I wanted. I wasn't creating the relationships that I wanted. I wasn't, you know, moving in my career or in business in the way that I wanted, but I didn't know how to. So I spent five years of not working, but what I could do was learn and read and study. So I spent a lot of time doing that. So... Where do I start? I, but just yeah. before we get there, what does chronic illness mean? And how, like, it's a massive call, isn't it? To, yeah. Like, can you, does that still resonate with you 
as it maybe would have three years ago or four years ago? Or has that meaning changed for you? In in what sense? Well, chronic is for a long time, Mm. you know. Mm. Do you... It's a, it's a title in itself. It can work. Can it work against you as well? Like Absolutely. You can get addicted. Not addicted. Um, well, one is there can be an addiction because you can get, you know, an adrenaline high from, you know, sort of talking about the concepts or using those words. Oh, and that okay. creates neural pathways in the body that get ingrained. And so then the body knows, oh, I have this illness or I have this disease. And then negative words um, that get ingrained into the body. And so uh, Lyme disease, for example, is quite strong. And so my body has been used to say, I've got Lyme disease. I've talked to other people who who have it. And so my body's like, oh, other people are experiencing this. I'm going to have these symptoms and this is going to happen to me and having those conversations. So the body on on a much deeper level, on a subconscious level that we're not aware of, can hold on to a lot of those concepts. Okay, this is so interesting. What concepts have you had to let go of? illness of relationships of boundaries of control (laughs) control (laughs) (laughs) don't we all (laughs) yeah yeah so a type a personality very structured you know in it project management training like i would write processes for people's business and create structure around (laughs) what they do So I tried to control every aspect of my life and put structure around it and getting sick. I couldn't. I didn't know how I was going to wake up every day. I just wanted to be better. I just wanted to know what herbals or medications I needed to do to get better. For a long time, I held on to these concepts. So letting go was, is the, is the key to so many things. Okay. How easy or hard is it to let go like give us some tips if anyone has gone through or going through the experience you have and you're the type a you you were the type a the control whatever blah blah how do you let go what do you have to do to because that doesn't happen overnight the letting (laughs) go for some people it can some people might do a a meditation or have an epiphany and that's amazing and they can they can let go and they can implement that in their life i've spent six years on the process of learning how to let go so working with people is really important well one is being aware and acknowledging that yes maybe i do need to let go awareness is number one and and owning it is number one and then number two is finding people around you so whether that's friends or family or networks so i run a women's circle Um, And that's a really good space for people to come and let go of things. And there's a different topic every month, like resilience or letting go or, you know, your voice that helps people in a a unique way or a way that they haven't thought of in being able to let go of things. So moving into coaching. Yeah. And all the study that you've done and, and actually working with clients, has that helped you let go? Oh, Absolutely. So the learnings that I've done, the tools that I implement myself, the tools that I help support other people with, absolutely. I mean, can I ask you, Celeste? We just had a little tapping yes. session. Okay, so actually, why don't you explain what EFT is, like the tapping, the notion of tapping that you use with your clients to unblock the energy? 
Yeah, so tapping uh, is also known as EFT or emotional freedom techniques, and it helps the body to do just that, to release emotions, to release uh, concepts that are stuck in the body, beliefs, and beliefs are stories that we tell ourselves. But those beliefs also might be the result of an experience that we've had that's like triggered a trauma or, or triggered us to think in a particular way and it gets stuck in our body. What are some examples of trauma? Some examples of trauma are chronic illness yeah. and living with chronic illness. Um, what was I saying earlier? Is fear? Fear, absolutely. Fear of anything, fear of dogs, fear of a job interview, fear of talking to an employee or fear of stepping out um, into a new career or a new job, fear of going for a swim, fear of horses, fear... Flying, any fears. Any fear. So you can use this tapping to unblock fears or... Um, Anxiety, or emotions. Mindsets, beliefs. Okay. Yep. And it goes beyond the thinking yourself well or you know thinking yourself out of it you know i i love and fully support mindfulness techniques um, positive thinking but this goes beyond that because i found in my journey that i couldn't just change my beliefs i actually needed to release them and so what tapping does is it taps on the acupuncture or meridian points of the body so there's a spot on the side of the hand, on the top of the head, inside of the eye, outside of the eye, under the eye, and a few other places on the body. And so by physically tapping on those spots, it can physically get the energy flowing in the meridians. And meridians have been around for thousands of years. You know, they've shown up in a lot of studies. So it's like, uh, it's acupuncture, but using your hands as opposed to needles for the acupuncture. And what's the difference between someone doing it themselves? Because I can obviously tap myself, mm. and but being with a practitioner. Mm. So what a practitioner, the, the value that a practitioner adds to the process is they are able to hold the space for you. What does that mean? What does that mean? So that means that they can tune in to where you are and go help you to get to depths that you hadn't thought that you would be able to go to and support you in doing that. Because sometimes the ego, the rational mind, the analytical mind comes in and says, oh, actually, this is what's happening or this is where we need to go or, or we can't do this, where the practitioner can see beyond the rational mind and help you to get deeper in that process. And this is a question I don't know the answer, but is it too because you have the um, combined energy? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Because we're we're energetic beings, and everything around us is energy and different, and vibrates at different frequencies. So you know, I can tune into some of your uh, energy. I'm also an intuitive, so I get sort of guided messages or direction. I'm also an energy healer. And um, I can physically feel and sense energy. So when I'm working with someone, often I will feel their energy in my body in different ways. So I can feel where they're getting quite tense or where the energy's starting to flow or where there's a bit of a blockage. And I'm like, right, I can feel and sense that. We need to keep tapping on some of those concepts and ideas and go further and deeper. Great. 
What are you feeling intuitively about my energy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also have to ask for permission to tap into your energy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's a whole nother session. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone comes to you for coaching, um, you told me actually before we started this podcast that you have worked with a, a lady that has an attachment to material things and hoarding and all that stuff. When you speak to her or, uh, or have um, time with her, do you combine all the different aspects of your training? So your healing, your um, EFT, um, the energy healing, I said that, the mm. nutrition, like is it all combined? Is that how you approach it or...? Yeah, it really depends on what that person needs. So every single session is tailored and customised to what someone needs. So also some people may not be open to energy healing and physical energy healing. Um, some people might want to work remotely via Zoom, which is, an, is a fantastic tool. So we do a lot of tapping and a lot of coaching um, via Zoom, which is fantastic because then people are in their own space afterwards and can process what happened because it can be so powerful. Um so it's a what the client is looking for and wanting and what they're open to and also what comes up i never know where a session is going to go i mean if we just have a look at we just had a little tapping session beforehand or a little session beforehand and we did a little bit of tapping there was a little bit of intuitive guidance in terms of where to go there was feeling and sensing you know you were i was guiding you kind of like into a meditative state actually lisa you know what why don't you talk about muscle testing that we just did because um not many people know about it and it's a bit woo woo you know it's out there explain to people what we just did in your lounge room (laughs) yeah sure so tapping is considered a little bit woo woo but there's a lot of clinical studies about uh, um around tapping and muscle testing which is also known as kinesiology so people some people study in kinesiology um, but i've done some work on muscle testing so what it is the body knows everything that it needs to is stored within the body but most of it is stored in the subconscious or in our energy field and so muscle testing is um so you popped your arm out um 90 degrees and I asked you what your name was, and you said your name was Celeste, and then your arm stayed stiff. And then you, uh, you said, my name is Lisa, and then your arm went weak. So your body knew that you are Celeste and that you are not Lisa. So that's just a, obviously a very simple example. I did once on stage at a food um, expo. They said, come out and someone see the body deciding what it wants to eat or not. Is that the same thing? It's the same so, thing. Lean forward. Yes. So instead of you answering it with your head, yep. does your body feel like this? And then my body naturally went forward or backwards. It was fascinating. Yeah. So you can do exactly so that the same is muscle thing. testing. That is, that's muscle testing. Ah, okay. So that is tuning into your your body and asking your body questions because our analytical mind will come in and say, "Oh, I need to do this," or "I I want to eat this," and "Yeah, I think I need to eat this," but. The subconscious mind and the energy body might say, actually, no, if I eat that, then that's actually not going to be a good thing. So you can muscle test yourself by standing there and generally swaying forward is yes and no is backwards, but you can ask your body to confirm what's yes and what's no. So we did some muscle testing in and around me after work and asked a number of questions how you know how much time should you spend on the business and and it was like it's it's not this amount of time it's not this amount of time it's this amount of time 
So yeah, it was good. I, I liked it because even the answers resonated yeah. to, as they would, yeah. But yeah. No, but they don't always because what your analytical mind is thinking versus what you actually need to do can be completely out of, out of sync. Okay, this is a good question for you. <laughs> How has decision-making changed like logical analytical mind versus um your emotional um even emotional can take you to that that side of but allowing maybe and not trying to work it out versus five years ago oh absolutely i was (laughs) type a so so in my head you know their creative side they're in the flow side you people talked about being in the flow and following their soul's purpose and i was like oh okay (laughs) what the what is that what is that so i could hear people i could hear the words but i didn't know what it meant and it's taken me you know I'm, i'm 37 now it's taken me all these years to realize what being in the flow is and what my soul's purpose is and that's only come about recently through the work that i've been doing so I and what does it feel like to be in the flow because sometimes you don't know it until you've had it like uh, someone said to me they didn't know they were depressed until they stopped being depressed like yeah you need the contrast to actually have the realization explain the flow yeah absolutely or your flow yeah so I guess that the flow for me one part is not being stuck and not being really emotional about things and not being overwhelmed by things. So I would get, uh, you know, there's a, there was a lot of fear about a lot of things or stepping into a lot of things, overwhelm. But now what I do is I, I do tapping on myself and, and you can learn to do tapping on yourself and it's, it's very, very easy to do. I said, you know, there's about seven tapping points that you can use, but the practitioner helps to get you to a deeper place. But I'll do tapping on myself. So where something comes up and I would feel stressed about it or overwhelmed or anxious or you know i've had a conversation with someone and it didn't go well or um yeah that i feel that i'm not in the flow then one of the tools and techniques is i get out my tapping and i start tapping and then my you know my those negative emotions dissipate because that's what it helps to do and then my subconscious mind comes in, oh, actually, that was supposed to happen. Or, or actually, it's okay that that happened. So one thing is the tapping helps to clear some of the, the, the emotions. And then the second part is also, also knowing that things happen for a reason and being in the flow of that and accepting that. And I used to hear about, I'm like one of those people who is here saying it. I'm like, oh, this is not so cliche. <laughs> You're laughing at me. No, I'm not, because I can relate to this 100%. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, oh, the universe meant it. But the more that I connect in with the universe and look at things from that perspective, that that was a message. You know, I, I, I had um, a change in some supplements the other day. Um, and I was taking this new powder and I had two powders. I put the first powder in and the second powder in and my cup tipped over and the second powder tipped out. And I was like, oh, I'll pop, pop it back in. And part of me said, I wonder if it's trying to tell me that maybe I shouldn't be having that powder. I thought, like, no, 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 it's not. I'll just have it anyway. And then I felt really unwell. So it was the universe trying to guide me to say, actually, that wasn't a good idea. So when did you start thinking that you're being guided by the universe as opposed to not, mm-hmm. like, and what was before that? 
before that was no universal connection and no trust you know for me trust and fear were two really big things um but it was through my journey of illness and you know being isolated for so long and i guess ignoring you know i said there's different levels to everybody there's and, and to health and wellness and that's um you know the physical your um, the, you know how you feel about your career or business you know your finances all those different aspects but there's the physical part there's the mental part the emotional part and the spiritual part and for me I was like what physically do I need to have what food do I physically need to be putting into my body what supplements what herbals do I need to be putting into my body what doctors do I need to see or integrative doctors or naturopaths you know all very holistic but it was so focused on the physical and I ignored the spiritual, the emotional and the mental. And I fought, oh, I fought it for so I fought it for so long. Why? Why? Was there like a, a fear or I think there was a fear and a, a like a trust in, in something greater than me. I, you know, I was someone who controlled things. Okay. And I had to let go of control and and, and realise that I wasn't controlling everything. There's certain things that I have control over in terms of, you know, whether I decide to eat something or do a meditation or whatnot. You know, ultimately I decide, but I had to trust that there was something greater than me. And I also had a number of experience. I went to workshops, I read books, um, and I would have some very transformational experiences and I would dabble in. I'd sort of put my foot in and go, oh, I believe, but... I go, oh no, that's that's too weird and too woohoo. Like I was completely not woohoo and I've gone, not quite, but from one extreme to the other. So when you went from just focusing on the physical to incorporating mental, emotional, spiritual, how did that impact your health illness journey? That has been the biggest shift, without doubt. Wow. You know, I did five years of you know the herbals and the supplements and the medications which i still do in part now not in part i still do do now and they are a part of my you know my, my protocol and my regime and my day but i don't focus on them you know i have to take them every day but i don't focus on them and i focus on the spiritual the mental and the emotional but using these tools and techniques as I said, it's not just about, for me, it's not just about saying, oh, I believe I'm going to get well. You know, I, I'm tapping myself to wellness. Oh, that's nice. You know, I'm uh, connecting in with the meditations or the work that I do with myself. And also, I guess, being in the flow and finding my soul's purpose, when that concept comes up again, but finding my soul's purpose with the work that I'm doing and helping other people on their journey is also where I found my gifts and my my healing so balancing that um, giving in this way is you know is my purpose and finding tapping and coaching and you know the energetic side of things to help support people whether it's with their career or um, you know coming back to a career after having children or if they're having children I work with a, a number of um, mums who have autistic children and uh, who are on the spectrum special needs and they're in overwhelm so you know working with people and using these techniques is just what would you say um 
advice you would give to someone who's just been diagnosed with a chronic illness? <laughs> I, was, I was actually asked this question um, not long ago and the, the, the first thing that I said is to create still, stillness and stop. Number one, stillness and stop. Because we go, 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 you know, the quadril cold and flu ads or, um, you know, the, the, Energizer. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 like it gets, it's go, keep going, keep going, keep going, push yourself, you know, have this uh, Barocca and keep going. You know, the body is actually giving you a message. It's saying you need to stop, you need to recover. The body doesn't recover when it's being pushed. You know, if you're, um, you know, if you've got the flu, then going for a run is is not going to help your body to recover and same with you know if you're in the workplace and you get sick then going straight back into work is like going for a run you know you're pushing the mental side did you ever take any sick days when you were pre (laughs) (laughs) what do you think no not really not really (laughs) um now that you're coaching and you help other people and focus on other people what advice would you give to coaches to also balance, find the balance between still looking after yourself and your clients? Because, you know, everyone that I see in the coaching, they're just so generous with yeah. their support and time and everything. But how do you not lose sight of yourself? Yeah. Find a coach. <laughs> okay, great. So you coaches know, should coach, have coaches. Co- absolutely. I think, you know, absolutely coaches should have coaches. But coaches also need to um, implement the self-care. And I know a number of coaches who were having conversation the other day and one of them or several of them were like, oh, actually, yeah, I'm not doing the self-care stuff. I coach people on self-care, but I'm not doing the self-care stuff. So, and what I mean by self-care is, I mean, there's the, the, the typical self-care in terms of, you know, spending time in nature, you know, as I said, finding some stillness and some meditation, you know, reading a book, getting off your screen late at night, a lot of things that are applicable to everyone, whether you're a coach or not. But what I would also suggest for coaches is to find some people that resonate with you and outside of the standard coaching and business mentoring and business coaching, you know, have a look for something that might be a little bit out there like tapping or energy healing or, you know, massage. And massage works on a particular layer and level of the body. But, um, yeah, I mean, tapping... And tapping is something that coaches can also do themselves. So they can they can do mm. it for themselves, but then seeing a practitioner will help them get deeper and then building a network with other coaches. That's great. Um, I've got one last question to ask. In the next, say, 12 months from now, what will Lisa be like? I don't know. And, and it's really interesting because whenever someone has said, you know, what do you want to be doing in your career five years from now? What do you see yourself doing five years from now? And I always had this blank and it was really defensive. But now that you ask me... But not necessarily what you're doing or... Yeah. And I'm reflecting on it from a completely different aspect. And that is, I don't know because I will in part be guided to where I'm going to be. 
And that's something that a type A personality, Lisa, would never have said before. And it's only because you've mentioned it now. And I can feel comfortable in saying that because I can manifest and visualize what it, you know, what I would like my future to look like, but that changes every single day. That's great. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for sharing and, and being so generous. It's, it's great. Thank you for being so generous, Celeste. <laughs> you know, you have a really big heart and what you do for, we, uh, for me after work and sharing the message and sharing the gifts that you have, sharing the gifts that you know, your guests have. Um, I thank you and I'm sure all the guests thank you as well. So we send love to you too. Thank you. You're a sweetheart. <laughs>